welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brecker, and today I am joined by two very awesome friends. Levi and Rachel are back on the show to discuss the Disney Channel original movie, Do Not Look Under the Bed, or Don't Look Under the Bed, as it's actually called, from 1999. Hello, Rachel and Levi. Thanks for coming back on. Well, hello. Hi. Thank you for having us. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, you two, I think this is your third appearance. We did Tales of Halloween. Amazing. And we did The Invisible Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now we're doing Don't Look Under the Bed. But technically, Tales of Halloween, didn't we split that into two parts, or am I making I it up? went back. I did the George Lucas, and I went back and released it as one, so. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 We got yeah. lucas Yeah. Yeah. But, what uh, honor. I feel like it was for the best. Um, yeah, yeah. So today, we are just, like, as I said, we are discussing the first children's horror movie, or children's movie, on here, and this is one that I've been wanting to do for a very long time. Um, Don't Look Under the Bed is a Disney Channel original movie, or a DCOM, as the cool kids say. Mm. Uh, I, my, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to get right into it, folks. There's going to be spoilers, and we're just going to get right into it. I'm just very excited to talk about get this. Get into I'm it. bursting at the seams. <laughs> um, I You've got watched... pages of notes. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do have pages. I have staples. Uh, <laughs> I, I grew up with this movie. I, I, I watched this a bunch whenever I could catch it on, you know, the Disney Channel, of course. And I just, I, I just have so much like nostalgia for this. Um, and this, of course, you know, after a certain age, when you stop watching the Disney Channel and you start watching like really just junk TV, you kind of transition from like, you know, children's stuff to just pure garbage mm-hmm. for like yeah. a significant portion. And it's like <laughs> stuff on MTV, VH1, like a lot of like just garbage and then you eventually transition into stuff that you really like um like for me i was like oh mythbusters is really awesome and then like i finally discovered dexter <laughs> at some point but uh, yeah, yeah is that a one-to-one is the <laughs> pipeline between that's it there's nothing else in between um but yeah so th- this is this is such a good movie i mean it's available on disney plus if people want to revisit it or have never even seen it and would like to go you know watch it i think it's a hidden gem to be honest um and so you know i after you know once i was not a child anymore i didn't hadn't seen this movie and it wasn't until i got disney plus uh when it first came out and around i think it was like the first halloween i had disney plus i was like oh i'm going to like go back through and binge all like the you know halloween town the even stevens Mm. Halloween specials and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, don't look under the bed. I remember that being so good. And when I watched it, it blew my socks off as, as an adult. <laughs> I was like, wow, this like really holds up. And I feel like that there's such a good message in this. I'm very excited to unpack everything that I think that this movie comes loaded with. But uh, Rachel and Levi, was th- this was your first time seeing this movie, correct? Yeah, I had never even heard of it. Yeah, I, I had... Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine if I've. I can't remember if I've ever heard of it or not. But whenever you suggested it, I think whatever I had in my mind, this was completely different than what I was thinking it was going to be. But what I was what I was saying earlier, I didn't really grow up watching a lot of Disney Channel original stuff. Not for any reason other than the fact that just I didn't. I didn't get cable until like high school. Uh, we had like like r.i.p honestly i mean we had like 12 channels for like most of my childhood and it was like the major networks and then that's it so when whenever yeah broker was always like oh you have to watch this movie it was a disney channel all of these disney channel so 
Brooker is I think you I think you're 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 pitching perfect right now for <laughs> Disney Channel Originals because I, I I'd never heard of it but I went in and I was like this is just I think it's maybe it's just the 90s nostalgia mm-hmm. I don't know or like even if it's early 2000s I know this one was 1999 but even those Disney Channel Originals that are like early 2000s it still kind of is a leak over from the 90s so I think it's that kind of like 90s nostalgia television mm-hmm. where I'm just like Oh, you can like recognize it's so cute. Brooker is like vibrating with excitement. (laughs) You can see, see, and it's really, I think, very cute. Um, I had not seen this, I thought it was very fun. But like four seconds into it starting, I was like, Oh, I want to watch Halloween Town, like Mm. Halloween because I feel like they all had that same vibe. And like that was the one that my family watched nonstop over and over again, which is another one that I didn't see until like after college. Mm -hmm. Was like, We should, you know, you were like, We need to watch Halloween Halloween Town. Town. We last Halloween was the first Mm -hmm. time I saw them, and we watched all three of them. Three, there's three, right? Uh, yeah, I think we fell asleep in the last one. But you fell asleep in the last one. True. I didn't fall asleep <laughs> in the last one. But we watched all three of them, and I was like, "These are so precious. I love. This is so wonderful." And yeah, it, there's. I don't know. There's. There, it just really kind of. I felt like that these movies. Okay, like old Disney, like the Disney I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt like that they did. I know everybody talks about how like you know music sucks now and everything was better when you were an adolescent, but I really think that this mm. is the case here. I mean. Because I, f- I feel like, you know, the shows that, like, I grew up with on Disney, like, even Steven's Boy Meets World, um, like, in movies like this, they really did a good job at capturing childhood and, mm. you know, everything from, like, the POV of, like, a kid and, like, the stuff that they go through. And they w- they did a really good job, like, romanticizing a lot of, like, the, like, mundane things. Just, like, going to school. Yeah. It was always, like, a very mm-hmm. cool school, you know, with, like, a fountain out in the... Um, uh, what am I trying to yeah. say? In, like the, like in the, the front, quad. Uh-huh. Yeah, like the quad, the courtyard. Like, the cafeteria yeah. was cool. Everybody yeah. kind of like, like the teachers and the students would kind of like, you know, pick at each other, but like, you know, like a playful teasing kind of way. Like, in, but like, obviously the kids don't want to go to school. Like, they right. didn't like romanticize it that much, but like, they romanticize like, you know, like the goofing off, mm-hmm. hanging out with your friends, like all the in between, the Magusha kind of things. And like, with this, it really, I feel like that this, movie is we'll get to it towards um you know at some point in this conversation when we get to the message of the movie but this movie really is about aging and it's about having mm-hmm. a childhood and yeah. how important it is to have that and also recognize when you are at different uh developmental stages in like your mm-hmm. adolescence mm-hmm. um both like mentally and physically and everything and i think that um so i i haven't like watched like new disney or whatever but i've like passively been exposed to it because been exposed to it because i have younger cousins and things like that and it's i don't know i it just feels such like a disconnect now you know because it's i feel like there's so much of it with um i mean like i know phones and I, everybody has like an ipad and iphone or whatever like i feel like iCarly. i know that wasn't disney but like iCarly is kind of like yeah the one of like the first steps towards like that like okay we're transitioning from like normal day stuff to like hey you could be like a youtuber you know mm-hmm. or you could be some sort of like influencer and like really yeah. romanticizing that and not so much the day-to-day stuff you know and like really dealing right. with issues with your parents or like um like boy Me's world touched on like lots of like very serious subjects yeah. and so does this movie with uh darwin the kid who had uh, leukemia mm-hmm. like very very serious things and they kind of like tackled them in i don't know i feel like in a very tasteful but like 
appropriate way for their audience to like kind of like capture like how serious it is and like how you could trust your parents to deal with situations and things like that i don't know right. i just went on a very long tangent about like why no old disney is better than new disney but <laughs> I, I mean i think you're i think you're on the money like i i mean you you said iCarly, and when i think iCarly, i also i, I think iCarly was the last like for me at least the last inherently youth television show that i remember generally keeping track of as because i guess that was when we were in middle school and high school is Mm -hmm. that when that was kind of about yeah yeah i think so because that was even that was kind of the carryover from like drake and josh was you you know you grew up i grew up watching that which even that was kind of like this this carryover of from the youth to okay now you're they're getting older audience is getting older okay now it's you know the audience in a similar stage of life, but now we're bringing in kind of the change in technology and the change of like the world. It's not just, you know, it's not building a tree house in the backyard as much anymore. It's more, you know, we are making, yeah, a, a camera you know, or a, a YouTube show or mm-hmm. whatever. So yeah, the television evolving with the times or whatever, but I, I would hundred percent agree with you where it's, it's more romanticizing, uh, or, you know, yeah, engaging with the aspects of childhood and the relationships between people Mm -hmm. where now it's more of kind of the spectacle of, Oh, this is what you could be. Oh, this is, you know, these are the, these are the things that you have the opportunity to do with, with the, you know, YouTube or with being a superhero or whatever. I can't even give good examples versus like relationship with your brother or your relationship with your parents or getting your homework done. Like we don't see a lot of, spoof episodes anymore or like these episodes of like oh my gosh i i have to get my homework done before the bell rings and i have to race to class like we don't see that as much anymore mm. uh, it's I, I think we're just you know yeah the, the romanticizing of the day-to-day is less so i guess I do you know. feel like the closest we have to that i watch zero children's content um <laughs> so <laughs> i'm like mm, yes. i watch exclusively <laughs> children's content. exclusively children's content yeah. i feel like we um decently keep up with bob's burgers which i feel oh, I like love that show. very famously okay that's, romanticizes like purely domestic i, I think life. that's getting to i think that's really getting to the heart of like like cartoons adolescent <laughs> cartoons uh-huh. or, or adult cartoons i guess uh-huh. as i should say I think the main demographic for us right now is like 18 to 35 year olds. I I can't prove that, but I would imagine that's the main demographic for adult cartoons is 18 to 35 year olds. Bob's Burgers, Mm -hmm. Simpsons, Family Guy, South Park. Like I've got to imagine that's it because again, we're this clinging on to it's this kind of different era of where they just want the same thing, but like aged up for us. Well, yeah, cartoons is what we. Like, we grew up, there was never a time where cartoons weren't in our life. We have always had cartoons, mm-hmm. and now it's just cartoons, but for our age. Mm-hmm. And so they they keep the same medium, but the content is different. Mm-hmm. How about we get into the people behind this movie? Totally to- commandeered this <laughs> yeah. podcast. Brooker's going to oh cut 90% of that. He's just going to be like, and for this 84 minutes, <laughs> he talked about adult cartoons. We talked about the philosophy of adult Television. And that was the last time they called Rachel and Levi. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! Oh man! Uh, yeah, let's talk about don't look under the bed. So so don't look under the bed. This was directed by Kenneth Johnson, who was just coming off of directing 
another Disney Channel original movie classic called Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. Shut wow. up. Same, same guy. And I watched a little clip interview with him and he said it was like immediately after he got done with Xenon, they came to him with Don't Look Under the Bed saying that they needed somebody to do this project and that they would like him to do it. And he was very excited to do this. This movie stars... Aaron Chambers, Ty Hodges, Robin Riker, St- Steve Valentine, and Stephen Tobolowski is in this movie, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Stephen Tobolowski, he's been in, according to Letterboxd, over 125 movies. And the movie I think of him in is he was in Memento. He was Sammy Jenkins. Um, if you don't know who I'm talking about, he was the dad from Don't Look no Under the Bed. No Wait, he was in Memento? Why am I not remembering? He was Sammy Jenkins. He was the guy that accidentally killed his wife with insulin and didn't That's know it. That's Oh my gosh, you're right. He's so young. Well, it's funny you say that because Memento was just one year after this movie. Uh-huh. <gasps> it was? Yeah, Memento it was, was 2000. 2000. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So wow. Stephen Tobolowski wow, 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 went wow, from wow. Don't Look Under the Bed straight to Christopher Nolan classic Memento. Um, oh. I like to think that Christopher Nolan saw this movie and said, that's my Sammy that Jenkins. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yep. Um, but so this, I, I really like the, the, the principal cast that we have in this movie. Um, I really like Aaron Chambers as Fanny or Fan Francis and mm. Ty Hodges as Larry Houdini. I mean, that was a standout for me in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry or Ty Hodges playing Larry was just going hundred miles an hour in this i mean i watched this and i was just like how is this guy just not still like pumping out movies like in comedic roles or something because i just felt like he just did such a crazy good job as larry in this yeah he he had the energy behind the performance it was really really impressive and the the kind of the transformation between his really his kind of two different characters that he kept having to play was was super cool and it wasn't like yeah there there was a clear transformation there which i i thought he, yeah i thought he did a good job i thought he yeah as far as actors in the film i thought he was just the most impressive oh yeah by far i thought he was the best actor yeah absolutely and i loved how i mean everybody in this has like some sort of like character trait but i love his character trait of like he's just able to just like whip out let's like pull props out of thin air he just like does stuff and does not acknowledge it or explain it at all he's just like what imaginary friend magic yeah right (laughs) yeah it's it's just so good he he's i I really love um his performance in this and uh kenneth johnson talked about how they auditioned a bunch of people for larry and ty hodges um was the front runner they all loved him for it um and it was just so cool just to hear him really talk because he really seems like I watched this interview that was, uh, I think that came out like three or four years ago. Um, kind of maybe like, maybe it was like celebrating like, like an anniversary of this movie or whatever, mm-hmm. but it was so cool to see him still look fondly on this movie and be like, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember Ty, his real name's Eric, but he goes by Ty. He was such a cool guy. We, we loved him. And, um, apparently the, kiss at the end of this movie uh mm-hmm. between him and fran uh there was some uh friction about that happening with uh with disney just because mm-hmm. of the interracial like kiss between them really yeah because you know he he said that larry wasn't written for any sort of race or you know background or anything we just casted whoever was the best and they called 
Kenneth Johnson and they're like, yeah, what are you going to do about the ending? He's like, what are you talking about? And mm-hmm. uh, they're like, well, you know, I don't, we don't know how to say this politely, but you know, he's a black man kissing, you know, a white girl. Like what, we're like, what are we going to do about this? He was just like, guys, it's almost the end of end of the millennium. Like we shouldn't be having this conversation. Mm-hmm. And so Kenneth's just like, I'm not changing anything. And Disney got back to him and said, you know what? We'll, Okay, yeah, we'll we'll support you behind that, which is still kind of like yay they support him, but still they like, they brought up that conversation anyways. But uh, totally classic Disney, like begrudgingly embracing diversity. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. I will say that's something that like did stick out to me at the end of this yeah. movie. So like, cause I did kind of feel a little bit of like chemistry between them a little bit. <laughs> of course, they're at the end of the movie, which I will want to talk about later on. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So. I guess we'll, we'll get that. Get back to it. What, what, were, what were some things that really stuck out to you about this movie? Um, I thought it was so funny. Like I, um, I think I think my two main like Halloween Town is my Disney Channel original, um, ha- like Halloween movie. I guess horror movie. And then I have seen some like meant for children horror movies that are just so like. The scene, there's a scene where uh, the boogeyman like grabs Darwin's ankle, which was so purely poltergeist that I like felt it in my bones. And so like I couldn't, like when the movie started and it was like all spooky and even the picture of boogeyman PS is like so messed up. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, where's this going to fall? Like, is it going to be super funny? Like Halloween Town or is it going to be super messed up like poltergeist, which isn't a Disney original, but is like, I think technically for children. Um, <laughs> and so I thought it was super funny. Larry was hysterical. Um, it took me a while to sort of like pinpoint what I thought the movie was trying to say. We can get, when we get into that conversation, I have thoughts. Um, I wrote down many, but I thought the idea was really fun. And like, I got that, like, it's a movie for children and they're really trying to talk about imagination and growing up and like when it's important to still hold on to your childhood and when it's important to like try to, um, like go to other things or other avenues but mm-hmm. those are my original thoughts. Levi, what are yours? Original? Are you going to have non-original have, thoughts? Yes. Oh, those are my uh, like starting point. Yeah, initial. That's uh, my initial base, thoughts. my foundation. Here are thoughts. my original thoughts. The rest, original. the rest are plagiarized. stolen from Twitter. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I mean, right off the bat, whenever it got started, I thought the intro was wonderful. Like, it's very short and it's very sweet. I thought, this, like, I, you know, we're getting into, like, the things that I thought were really good. Um, and I'll talk about the things that maybe I didn't like as much later, but, um, I thought the soundtrack was really good. I thought the music was really good. Uh, kind of the, the, this kind of the very eerie intro of the kind of the, the classic kind of nineties Disney moving camera around town kind of thing and ending up at the house. I thought that was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, the, I thought it had great effects. I thought the effects were fantastic. I very good. Like uh, Rachel mentioned, the the hand, like the hands coming out. I thought that was so good. Just like you know the uh, the creature design was excellent. Yes. Yeah. The, the creature design was really really good, and it wasn't just the it wasn't just the hands coming out, but it was kind of the uh, I, I I call them I call them Grinch hands because that's in my childhood. <laughs> that's the first instance that I can remember that happening. But like not hands coming up and like slowly curling around an object mm. like or like slowly curling around the edge of the bed or the or a or a chair or the desk or whatever now those are called lupita hands lupita from us. oh yeah for all of those yeah from us yeah she has the she always does the 
that not quite what I was going for, but I get that that's similar to the a similar movement. She like that's more of like a devious like tapping your fingers in like a in like a pyramid way of like good, like good. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like that. But it's like a fast. That's not what I'm really talking about. I'm talking about like slowly curling around an object as you grab it, mm-hmm. and uh, like just it's very eerie. It's very creepy. Uh, the smoke under the bed. The eyes, whenever like uh, whenever Larry's eyes were changing, I thought that was so like it, the, it was bright and it was shimmery. The and it was... stages of boogie transformation for Larry was great. Oh, so good. so good, so good, so natural, very real. I mean, I am just I'm all sorts of pro natural effects. Um, and I thought it was so fun. The um, this is just so random, but when they're in kind of the boogie man realm. Uh, when they the boogie Boogie world world. (laughs) the boogie world yes of course the boogie world as we know we know and love whenever they are about to jump in this car and they have to push the car backwards before it goes forwards like like it's a toy car you pull it back and you let it go and I like just it's so good just those little things Mm -hmm. of like this is a toy so you put back and you let it's a Hot Wheels car whatever so yeah I'm 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 getting into the things that I really loved uh, but. Um. Yeah. It was w- really just the, as a whole. It was really wonderful. I wanna. I wanna go ahead and get into what you were just talking about. Talk about like just the kind of like the design and like just like aesthetic of this movie. I thought yeah. was like really good. Um, yes. Kenneth Johnson said that. You know, he said I, as a director, it was a goal of him to scare, creep out, and um, like kind of like spook kids but not to mm. terrify them mm. that was the yeah. goal this was actually disney channel's first pg movie uh everything before was just g really? and they even had like a little warning at the beginning of this movie saying you know it might be not suitable for some audiences you know because wow. this was def- this was like the quote the scary one from disney and i do remember it scaring me as a kid just because i was like really young when this came out um i think i was like i think it was like five or six when this movie came out and I remember it was so funny. Like when I watched this, like as an adult, like last year, when we got to the point where we see the boogeyman on the roof, I just had like a, like a whole like buried memory in my brain just like spill out going, oh, fingernails. I just remember the fingernails were uh-huh. like me out the most. Uh-huh. And um, he said that, you know, they went through different creature designs for it and again he said he wanted to be spooky scary creepy not terrifying and Mm -hmm. the initial creature design was like it was like a very black almost like a giant crow like a very Mm -hmm. black just red beady eyes kind of thing and he said that was too scary and so they decided to go with like this victorian era looking person that like spoken rhyming couplets um, um and i really like that design i find there's and again i think that plays really well into the theme of imagination and that you know this was because the boogeyman was once uh fran's imaginary friend and that like mm-hmm. makes sense it's like a kid might see that like in like a textbook at school or something or right. whatnot you know studying like american history or whatever and just think mm-hmm. that's kind of cool and like so you know like that's gonna be my friend this person that's colonial or whatever uh-huh. and it also kind of plays into you know like dress up you know this is a costume that my friend would wear and everything so right. i just find that so yeah. i just kind of love all of that design i think that's so good um yeah. and as you were talking about levi i wanted to talk about boogie world because uh-huh. i love the design of this i loved the giant yeah. sandwich that's moldy 
Uh, mm. just, and they made it squishy. Yes. Uh-huh. They, they when you stepped on it, it was squishy. That's so good. It was so good. Like I, I watching this, I was like, man, this is like. I mean, there are like cheesy effects in it. You know, like I could see, I could, I could see the green screen basically that she's like climbing a cliff or whatever. Sure. But um, I mean, it was just like there's oh, there's love like all the imagination that like the creatives got to do. Like okay, we're going to have like everything's just bigger down there yeah. you know we have like a roller skate just only one we don't know where the other one is you know i don't know it's yeah. just larry uses a sword uses a pen as a sword and everything mm-hmm. like, it's just all fun and it's just so i mean i think there's something about like a, a world that you go into that's supposed to be this scary horror-esque place that is essentially you're you're on a solid surface above a bottomless pit like mm. it's just a it's just a no it's a void you're within a void but on a solid surface within a void which plays i think plays into the idea of f- losing things under your bed i think obviously that mm-hmm. was purpose pur- yeah because it's all the stuff that was lost under the bed totally yeah and like but it, you know they got all big and stuff uh-huh. but it still it still was this eerie like it's not like oh there's this whole new world it's it's the void, and this is mm. the spot that we can actually exist within. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's the boogie world is, mm-hmm. is the void. And I think that's so – Brooker, you made such a good point on, like, creature design and boogie world design being kid-centric. Like, that as mm. the target audience is something – like, the things that they think about, the things that they think are scary, like um, – it made me when he entered Boogie World. It made me think of Insidious, which also has like a Boogie oh, World. Yes, and how that's ex- different. So good, so good. And like wow. Insidious is scary to adults. Yeah, like Insidious, the world of Insidious is like so messed up and dark and scary, and it's like so specifically scary to adults. And like Boogie World is so specifically scary to kids. And how they did such a good like it was adults making that like mm-hmm. making the movie, but they still made it mm. scary to kids. Wow. Even I read that his original character design had a lot more of the quills, kind of like what's his name? He's in Cabin in the Woods. He's got the uh, scary the pin pinhead pin or whatever face. his name is. Uh, uh, Razorhead. Yeah, mm-hmm. Razorhead. Is that right? No, Brooker, you're Pinhead. I, no, Pinhead is from Hellraiser. Um, Hellraiser. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah, but you're thinking of like the guy with like the saws in his head in Cabin in no, the Woods. No, I think I am think I think you had it in one. I That's think I the am saws in his head is the one from Cabin from in the, the Woods, Woods, but I you're thinking of yeah. yeah. Pinhead. Yeah. So, okay. okay. But yeah. Pinhead again, Pinhead is creepy to adults. Like yeah. they made a thing creepy to adults originally and then they were like, No, this is for kids. Like it should be like Victorian, spooky Victorian mm-hmm. guy, like way spookier to children than just like i also love how you looked at me for an answer when literally like the literally the two most intelligent horror (laughs) experts that i have ever met in my entire life are on this podcast and i am not one of them i am i am you're just here so you don't get fined i i am the caboose (laughs) to the to the horror train that is brooker and and rachel which by the way on the the horror train the caboose is called the caboose so uh, oh yes oh (laughs) no the ball was I'm on retiring. the t- it was a t ball hit and I swung and I missed. I'm just it. picking oh. up what you're putting down, Levi. Um, Shoot, man, but, uh, that's good. <laughs> I'm sorry, Rachel. Uh, pinhead is where you left off. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. No, that was it. All that to say, you. I said insidious and you got pumped. So if you have insidious related, well, things. I don't have insidious related, but I do have like going back to the creature design. When during the fight between the boogeyman and Larry, I was just like. 
I'm I'm feeling some like Freddy Krueger ins- inspiration for this boogeyman. Yeah, like the finger knives, the dream long, state, the dream mm-hmm. state. Yeah, the finger knives and like the long nails or fingernails. Mm-hmm. Again, like you said, dream state, like manipulating reality a little bit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'll, I, guess I I wish I could find something about like the people that did that were like the, the part of, like the art department for this, but I would love. Because, you know, that, you know, Freddy Krueger, that was like 1984, I think, the first Nightmare on Elm Street. So, I mean, the people working on this movie probably went through Nightmare on Elm Street, which, again, that kind of makes, I don't know, all of this, I was getting a lot of, anyways, I was getting a lot of Freddy Krueger vibes with the Boogeyman and um, just a lot of, like, kind of like the themes in this movie a little bit, too. Um, And, again, it's a villain that targets children. Yeah. That is, I thought that because I even thought that with Poltergeist too, like the ankle under the bed ankle grab. Because I was oh, like, I yeah. wonder how many tiny like it's obviously for children, but with all children things they throw in stuff for adults. Like mm. I was like, I wonder how much little stuff is like referenced for the parents. Things things I didn't like uh, the di- I, the dialogue. Really, the dialogue between anyone that wasn't named Larry or Francis. Their their dialogue was wonderful. The dialogue elsewhere just didn't... I, I just I, I just couldn't get on board. I just felt like something yeah. was kind of... And, and the boogeyman. The boogeyman, when, when he, he slash she showed up, uh, that was that, that was fine. I, that was good, too. But just, yeah, there was just... I mean, it, it, yeah, I couldn't... It was That was a hard thing for me to just kind of nail down. Um... The, um, the, the, okay, I'll say this. The, the world building was not super solid for me. It just felt, if it felt, and I think it's because it's an hour and a half, like, it's 90 minutes. Like, yeah, I think that's part of it. It's just like, it's a town and boom, boom, boom. Middleburg. And I think, yeah, honestly. And it felt, in that regard, it kind of felt like a, and I don't want this to sound too blasphemous. It's not, it felt like a little bit like a discount. Halloween Town a little bit in that regard of them being like there's this girl and there's this thing that's kind of happening and she's like I'm trying to figure out what's going on and she figures it but like Halloween Town does a really good job at world building and lore creating granted they Which have true true yeah, they have the benefit is... of of trailing into other movies so I think that's so I kind of that's like a kind of the one thing that I am just like everything all the things that I had a that I that I didn't like in air quotes are all kind of minor stuff, except for there's one line that I was like, oh you oh I can't. Um, uh, uh, Francis mentioned something to Larry about like his, her parents, and is like and she's like he's like oh yeah my mom's this and my dad has to vacuum, and Larry responds by saying your dad does the vacuuming yes! and she's and she's like. I, well, I mean, and, and that I guess so, kind of. But then she, and he's like, "Your dad is a vacuum." And she's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Uh, I can't remember his response, but he's like, oh, that's backwards' or something like that.'" And I was like, "Oh, because I am I in our family, I am the vacuumer. I because I love to vacuum and like like to keep it clean and so when it was like, "Oh, that's backwards," I'm like, "Um, Larry, you don't understand how amazing it feels to finally clean a va- clean." A, a carpet and get it all cleaned up so yeah that don't slam a guy for vacuum. that one did make me go ooh. <laughs> i had that same moment like i think like halfway through the film i realized that dad was doing a lot of the domestic work like he was cooking and he was cleaning and mm-hmm. he was doing all this stuff and i was like wow surprisingly dad like surprisingly 
forward thinking Disney and then uh, towards the end they made a joke yeah. of it and I was like oh no it, was, it didn't it, it didn't make me super mad along. it's it's more because I love vacuuming so much it was, but he was like your dad is the vacuuming I went boo it's almost like when Disney called Kenneth it's like alright Kenneth we'll let you have the kiss but you gotta keep that vacuum line in yeah <laughs> they're like yeah. we're gonna make fun of this man for keeping his home clean we're gonna yeah. belittle him yeah. <laughs> yeah I think that's all I had though uh, okay so I do want to try to tackle because I, I agree with you the world building is pretty shallow but i almost think that's on purpose because yeah. we are definitely getting a francis pov of the universe of the world and she oh. thinks she's all grown up she thinks she knows everything so that's why it feels off to adults because it's like no this isn't what the real world is actually like but she's just like i got everything she's getting such a watered down version of it because that's what's logical to her um, so all the illogical things that adults have to deal with don't enter into the realm because mm-hmm. we're getting her POV. Love it. Mm. But who knows? Maybe that wasn't on purpose. I do agree with you. They could have done a better job, but that's me oh. trying to reason. No, that makes sense. Away. I get that. Yeah, it's all stuff. Where and it's I also just... a kid's movie. So Yeah, right. It's, <laughs> it's enough. But if it's like, would you go back and change it? I'm like, not, not necessarily. Like I looked on Rotten Tomatoes. There's no official tomato meter, but the audience score is a 68%. And I don't know if I think that's high enough. I think I'd put it like 73 to 75%. It's not perfect, but I thought I I still really enjoyed it. And it it's technically certified fresh at 68, but I think it should be a little bit higher. Uh, you know, you got me curious. On Letterboxd, it has an average of three out of five stars, which is good. Okay. Yeah, that is good. Yeah, I think that's good. Fascinating. Alrighty, subgenre categorization. Yes. I, I think. I mean, there's definitely some obvious stuff in here. It's definitely like a. I think children's horror is al- is almost something kind of on its own. Um, yeah. It's a monster movie, which I really like. I love mm-hmm. that. And you know, this obviously it's not sci-fi, but it's definitely like fantasy horror. Yeah. yeah those were yeah. like kind of like the three things I was getting. Yeah, I I had, I had the same thing. I I had it as horror, with. A healthy mix of fantasy for the for the kind of the magic and wonder aspect of it is it technically listed as is it listed as horror i i at least like on disney plus last night when i clicked it you know they do like the little like sub like genre thing whatever mm-hmm. it didn't say horror it just said like mm-hmm. coming of age fantasy okay but i definitely yeah. think i would yeah but i definitely think that there is purposeful horror and scares in this that mm-hmm. make it a children's horror movie yeah it's not quite enough horror to be horror but it has the flavor of horror but that's not enough like monster to be monster because the boogeyman is a monster but he's not it it's it's both like it's it's he's going after but it's more about her and larry's process more than the monster itself the monster adds to the adventure but it's not, you, you know what I mean? I feel like Monster. <laughs> Go ahead, Rachel. Humming. I feel like Monster is like the banana in the smoothie. Like once it's Monster a little bit, it's Monster entirely. I agree. So like it is well, a Monster. Well, okay, well, it's not. I mean, movie. if you put if you put one banana mm-hmm. into, or oh if God. you put if you put half a banana in a smoothie and the rest is strawberries and spinach and what I don't know, whatever, and it's just a, a, like a, a ton of stuff, mm-hmm. and you're like, 
Like it's the a ba- banana smoothie. It's not though. <laughs> the banana's still gonna cut through, mm-hmm. and you're still gonna be like, there is for sure banana in here. It's a banana strawberry. But smoothie. if it is, yeah. if it is five percent banana and ninety five percent everything else, it's not a banana smoothie. But you know there's banana in it. Well, I think this that makes is it a still this know. is still like a monster movie in the same way that like Jaws is a monster movie because like you don't see yes. the beast until the end of the movie. Okay. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. I do agree with that. Yeah. It's because the monster. You know. You don't. Jaws makes up a very small percentage of that movie but it is about the yeah, process you know like what? you said you're, y'all are right y'all are it's right. about the process <laughs> yep you're right you heard it here first it is the banana of the horror genre that's true <laughs> that Monst- monsters are the, the banana. banana yeah that's that's good oh bad um and i like the fantasy aspect of it because i didn't like think about it until like you just kind of like described it the way you did levi about how it's mm. it did have like that imagination fantasy type of thing which makes sense for a children's horror movie that you're trying to angle and not make it so much into sci-fi because that was like something i was wondering about like while watching it's like is this technically sci-fi and then i was like mulling it over mom was like no it's really it's not based in science it's based in fantasy imagination totally. yeah totally which is very funny that it's not based in science but i guess that makes sense because that's her thing so like the monster couldn't be based in science mm-hmm. but huh yeah, she's so logical. She's so methodical mm-hmm. in the way she does things. Which that should be its own subgenre. Like there should be a subgenre called like effing up people who believe in like logic. Like mm-hmm. I feel like those movies usually end in exorcisms. Um, but I feel like there's a whole category of like there can't be ghosts, there can't be demons, and then it's like obviously there's. I think ghosts that's and just a, I think that's just a monster movie because every monster movie is they're not there. There's not a shark out Ooh. there. There's not a monster out there. I mean, I think a there. lot of found footage stuff is that they think it exists. And but so is found footage a it. monster movie? That is a <laughs> totally different. <laughs> is the Blair Witch Project a monster that's something that I plan on getting into with a guest in a couple weeks but yeah that is gonna be we'll put a a pin in that I do I do want to ask y'all a question while we're on this so I think that the I think y'all know where I'm going with this as soon as I get going Mm. I think that the trope of the final girl is something that is specific to slashers but Mm -hmm. after talking and interviewing some people on my horror tropes uh, interview series there's a lot of people that considered other characters from non-slasher movies to be final girls because of you know x y and z so i wouldn't i'm not this is definitely not a slasher like i don't think there's any room for that argument uh but would would francis be kind of considered like a final girl kind of i think that is very valid if only because after I watched it, I was reading some stuff on it, and another decision that they very purposefully made um, is they wanted Larry and Franny to take out the boogeyman together, and he was like, "No, Franny takes out the boogeyman. Like this is not uh, interesting." Together. She defeats the boogeyman, which I, if you are, um, what's his name, Tim Burton, call me back. You messed up Coraline in the <laughs> call like, me back. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Call me back because Coraline, yeah. an amazing story. You should all read it and then watch yeah. it. I, well, I um, see. I didn't, I didn't even read Coraline, and then I watched it. And I, uh, again, I think we were dating when I saw mm-hmm. it, and I went back to you, and I was like, that ending felt like it was a trip at the finish yes. line. What happened? Yes. Yeah. And so, non. This is. I mean, technically a spoiler, but not really a spoiler. The two characters take out the monster together. One of the characters is invented for the movie. He does not exist in the book. In the book, Coraline. The mm. hero of the story defeats the monster of the story in a very coming-of-age metaphor, which 
I'm glad in 1999 they were able to pull off in this. Like, the whole point is, like, her facing her demon. Like, not her demons, but, like, her facing I mean, yeah. her inner fear and, like, her guilt and all of this different stuff. And so, like, for Larry to have done that with her, like, he's goofy and funny and he was my favorite character. But, like, was not the point. And so, he was the Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. He was the guide. He was not the hero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, yeah, I can't, I can't really add much more to that other than the fact that i think i mean the idea of final girl trope in my mind at least and correct me if i'm wrong uh is that people fell along the way and she was the again in kind of our um primitive mindset it's like well the girl's gonna go and then the girl never goes and she's the strongest one that survives and so we're like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. and people didn't really the only person who fell in any sort of way I guess was Larry, but even then, I, I, so yeah. I guess in that respect. So I guess again, my limited understanding of of that trope. I guess I wouldn't say that she is, but she definitely is the hero. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I agree with you, Levi, and I wanted to kind of make an argument. And if y'all think this is stupid, I will be okay with that. <laughs> we'll hang up immediately. <laughs> So I agree with you, Levi. I do think in order for someone to be considered a final girl, there needs to be some sort of subtraction of characters right. from the movie. That's fair. That's um, fair. But so I feel like that this movie could, in a way, is kind of coded in like a way a slasher would be. Um, mm. And that instead of like kills, we're getting pranks where she's being framed as because those are kind of like knocks against her. And she is kind of like this. She, she 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 does have that quality of like a final girl she's like that perfect person you know she 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 doesn't really break many horror movie rules she actually really doesn't really break any which is kind of interesting that she's the subject matter of this she's you know yeah. a good kid she, her parents like her her teachers like her and know to trust her and things like that mm-hmm. so i felt like each prank against her that framed her was kind of like could be coded as like a kill hmm. and i just want to go through those pranks real quick so i counted 10 that the boogeyman frames are for so there is speeding up the clocks three hours which is a metaphor for aging in this um Ooh. wow putting the dogs on the roof don't know what that means um <laughs> egging her biology teacher's car which by the way fuck that teacher for p- taking up that spot right right at the front of the school yeah That's, and why would you really? leave your convertible open that, that, that just i'm not saying that he deserved yeah. to get his <laughs> car egged but i'm just saying right. like w- w- what's the parking situation like yeah. at the school he, he a thousand percent parked in a handicapped spot yeah no thousand percent. or at least no a bus doubt. lane like yeah. oh absolutely yeah. a bus lane this, yeah this this guy's a monster um yeah. <laughs> he's the real villain <laughs> the fourth prank was uh oh the the swimming pool being filled with gelatin which is classic uh yeah. bees in the principal's office uh, number six, the school bus is being filled with water, question mark, which I guess came from the pool. Um, the, oh, yeah. The bee graffiti all over mm-hmm. town, her locker being skipped, but there's a bee inside, which is, mm-hmm. again, like a metaphor for, like, your imaginary friend lives in your head. The bee's on the inside of your locker. Haha. Mm-hmm. Um, number eight, Joe Hart's Bert with the flowers, which is, mm-hmm. like, come on. Bert doesn't live on that street. Um yeah. <laughs> Number nine, um, everyone just froze. They did like a freeze yeah. mob. That was interesting. And then um, the last one I saw were the Christmas lights. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I felt like that could be like an interesting, maybe childlike coding of 
slasher kills because they're all like marks mm-hmm. against her kind of and there's mm-hmm. really weird things that were She's, repetitive throughout the movie yeah slowly losing her credibility yeah yeah that's pretty good i, I mean i think if you are a like if you have built your reputation as someone as someone who growing up was very concerned about building his reputation as a trustworthy you know person the the person who did not who who could just say something and they'd be like well he's telling the truth obviously like if someone if i if that slowly happened to me i would be mm. devastated mm-hmm. i would be absolutely if someone if i said this is what happened and people looked at me and said is that true i would be absolutely devastated mm. i'd be devastated now let alone when i was in high school when i didn't have <laughs> what i've got now i would be oh my gosh So we're going to be moving into the fear analysis portion of this. If you're new to the show, I like to talk about how there are five types of fear humans share psychologically, according to Dr. Carl Albrecht. Those fears are the fear of mutilation or body invasion, loss of autonomy, separation or rejection, and lastly, humiliation, shame, or worthlessness, i.e. the death of ego. Ah, there's... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I feel like that there is just so much to unpack with this movie in terms of fears because I think every character just about represents some sort of type of fear that you can mm. get into. Um, mm-hmm. I, want, I, want, I would like to start with Rachel, if we can. Just, let's just go around the horn that way. Uh, Rachel, what, what were you getting from this? Um, I feel like you just blew my mind by saying that, and so now I'm thinking about it. Right. So I'll say what I <laughs> wrote, and then I'll engage with that. Um, I thought it was fascinating that, obviously, like, one, a movie that's a monster movie, and two, a movie that, like, does kind of have the undercurrent of death, like, with Darwin and his leukemia, mm-hmm. wasn't really about death, like, and maybe it's the children's aspect of it, but, like, I never at any point was like, oh, they're going to die. Like, mm-hmm. that was not. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And so. Um, it's not very present discuss, in this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I think, like, is not a bad thing. Um, and I think it's interesting that they still, like, had death present in other ways. 100% thought it was abandonment rejection, obviously, like, deeply coded in Larry and the whole concept of, like, um, being abandoned literally being abandoned mm-hmm. and rejected and i thought it was very interesting my other thing that i thought it was really strong in was humiliation and worthlessness Ooh. um which i wondered if that felt very meta for the actors involved especially very young actors who typically have like sort of like flash in the pan careers this idea that like once you don't have a purpose like once people don't know your name anymore like you no longer have value as a person and you like stop existing or become a monster And so I wondered if that was really weird for them to, like, process through that idea of, like, once people no longer need me or, like, no longer think about me, I'm either, like, I either vanish or become a beast. That's interesting because I wonder if Ty Hodges, Larry, because if, like, that was, like, something going on for him. Because he was was a side character on Even Stevens who his Mm -hmm. character name was also Larry on that show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so uh, that's really interesting because he was he was not like a he, he was like a one of those right you know reoccurring cast members but um mm-hmm. he, he, was, he was he's like the equivalent of like Newman you know kind of like that's how much yeah. exposure he was getting um mm-hmm. and now from for Seinfeld him, you mean right do what from Seinfeld yeah yeah Newman from Seinfeld yeah. sorry um and so now he gets to be a, a one of the leading roles 
in a movie. So I wonder if he was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I now have validation, you know, for this. Mm-hmm. But, uh, oh, that's really interesting. And is that, was that yours? Mm-hmm. That is so fascinating on your, because I also had uh, fear of worthlessness, mm-hmm. uh, the, the death of the ego. But you went more on the monsters, mm-hmm. uh, the, the boogeyman. I went more on Francis. <gasps> Interesting. So fear of worthlessness, um, the idea of I, I, I couldn't help my brother, so I'll help him grow up. Oh. By 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 killing his innocence, mm. so it's that's it's a the, heavy interpretation. I love it. Whoa! Yeah, it's, uh, it's the it's the I, I I need to have purpose in my brother's life. I couldn't be the one to give him, you know, the bone marrow. You know, her the way what she cited it as was I was too afraid, um, and so out of a fear of of worthlessness of of the inability to help she helps her brother by by killing him in a different way that's so, it's so this, crazy yeah so it's but it's an uh, like she's not obviously trying to hurt him but it's it's like the i killed him and i could have killed him in one way i refused to help and so i end up killing him in another interesting um, and just to clarify i think that they explained that like she she actually just wasn't a match, but she felt guilty for right. being she relieved, relieved that she wasn't because she was too mm-hmm. scared to. Yeah, right. But I mean, the weight that she would have held, regardless, like if she's like, there's still that responsibility. If no one was a match and and he died, then it would still I would still like if I wasn't a match, I'd be like, but if I was a match, I could have saved him. Mm. So you don't you don't have control over the way that you are born, obviously, whether your marrow is a match or not, mm-hmm. but. That still is a level of like, oh, but it still is my self, and so it's it's my fault. That's a fault that she carried, or would have carried, or at least I would have. <clears throat> so that was that was the first one, that, you know, a fear of 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 worthlessness. But even in you know her actions out of fear still hurt him in the end. Um, and then I also did uh, uh, bodily invasion for oh. a fear of slowly being taken over oh, by the boogeyman yeah. it's oh. it's his i mean he doesn't he doesn't have control over that that's mm. his he, he it wasn't a decision he made where okay now I'm, I'm i made my bed now i'm gonna lay in it mm-hmm. it's a i literally am just trying to function i'm just trying to do what i was i'm here existing uh, what i was you know called to do by the man in my head or whatever mm. which i still don't know who that is we can talk about that <laughs> <clears throat> but that he just by his you know not being believed in anymore he slowly turning into this monster and he has no control over it whatsoever so that i mean this just terrifying fear of like i just exist and therefore i'm becoming this monster mm. um as terrifying of uh, you know just any sort of parasitic you know alien movie where you're just doing what you do and then all of a sudden there's a parasite inside of you that is slowly killing you it's almost um, kind of like vampiric you know Totally, mm-hmm. totally, or, or like, or totally. I guess maybe more appropriate, like, like being like a werewolf. That might be like a more, um, yeah, yeah, uh, you, better parallel of the time. transformation. Yeah, slowly mm-hmm. turning into yeah. So those are mine. Bodily invasion Damn. and then fear Dude, of worth. Levi, I loved that 
interpretation about her just like killing his innocence to mm. and that's like her thinking she's helping him because yeah. oh man that's so good yeah, I, that was so good i had that too for franny having shame because she felt literally helpless but i didn't continue on down that path that's so good mm. um like you rachel i also had larry uh his fear of like rejection um you know you know him franny and darwin not believing in him anymore and the same thing for mm-hmm. um Franny's uh, original boogeyman or bo- boogie person. Boogie person. Was her name Zoe or my Zoe? Yeah. That? Okay. Boogie <laughs> Zoe. person. Boogie person. Um, I also had that. So I kind of looked at like the adults of this. So I was like really trying to like compare like how the adults are perceiving the world and how Franny, how Francis is. And I could just imagine how like scary that this would be for like her parents and or, like her faculty to just be like watching your child have hallucinations and you know Mm -hmm. she's like convinced that she's seeing larry do all these stunts like no larry's the one that's like doing these or it's the boogeyman that's doing these pranks or whatever it's not me and her parents just like think that they are watching their child go through like some sort of like mental lapse and just like spiral into some sort of like i i I don't want to like give it a name because i don't i don't want to give it a label for because Mm -hmm. i I'm, i'm not educated enough to like really say but and I don't want to totally. give anything like a bad connotation, but uh, you know what I'm saying. Right. You know, her mm-hmm. pretty much is going through some sort of psychosis, and yeah. I, I just kind of like really, her mom was super worried, and so were her, some of her yeah. faculty were just like, "What are you talking about?" And they're all now her parents are like fearing not only for her mental health and everything, but they're like, "Did we do this? Did we push her? Did we? Mm-hmm. Should we have just let her stay in the grade that she's supposed to be in? Should we have not let her go to high school already?" And yeah. they're like, they, they like think that like, she's like holding in some sort of like resentment or something. And mm-hmm. like, I was like, wow, that, that would be terrifying as a parent to go through all yeah. of that. Yeah. Which is, which is so real. I mean, Rachel and I aren't, aren't parents, but I, I, I get to work with a lot of parents and that's a consistently talked about theme of, I just want my kids to be okay. I just want to make sure that they know that they're loved, that they're that they're cared for, that they know that they're they're valuable, and that they they're not valuable for, because of what they do, but because they're ours mm-hmm. and they're, and they're our kids. And I mean, that's constantly even if the you know even if the kids are fine, they're still that like yeah, but what if? And you know we're at a you know that the how parents deal it you know in different ways. You have either the you know the, the parent, like the dad, who's like, I need to be just like there. I need to, we have to fix it now. And then there's the parent who's like, no, 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 no. It'll, it'll, it'll be okay. It'll take care of itself. Just keep being nice, keeping, you know, careful. And they kind of, you know, it kind of marries itself. Like when they finally kind of, I, I, I don't feel like they, they don't quite hit the nail on the head. But at the end, whenever everything's fine, they, they go, they come forward and they're like, are you okay? We love you. You know, we're gl- we're 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 glad that you're okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, come on, let's get you to bed. Like it, so it's it's kind of this mix of being like, we want to be active. We're not going to be distant. We're going to be active in your life, but we're also going to recognize that, you know, you're you're a kid and you're going through life, and we're here for whatever you need. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, it's it's the heart. I mean, it's I, again, we're not parents, but I I hear a lot of parents being like, yeah, it's terrifying mm-hmm. the idea of. I, I mean, I talked to my dad about it the other day. He's like. Just this fear of like, what if, you know, what if something I do is gonna affect you? And it, you know, it probably will. There's stuff that's gonna. That's just how growing up works. It's kind of like the 
that like conversation that we like don't get with the parents in Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, did we like cause this? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It would be so fascinating, honestly. Nightmare on Elm Street is a great example, but it would be so fascinating, honestly, to see even like a short film version of this movie from the parents' perspective. Oh wow! Of like how awful like it's like you know that like if you take the music out of elf it are you already, are you already getting in the sequel talk <laughs> um, maybe Uh-oh. but it like can you even imagine just the like slow build of like the eggs are all missing and then this egg thing like the thing gets and mm-hmm. then like the gelatin's all missing and this gelatin thing happens and your your perfect wonderful studious kid is just like no it can't possibly be me and like as it's even as it's escalating i remember just the like weird surrealism of like all of the reporters are banging on the door yeah. and she's like i don't feel good can i stay home today and i was like those parents mm. must just be like oh oh no like she's so calm about this mm-hmm. yeah i also wonder what would have i also wonder what it would have been like to be in that like we what you were just saying like when she does go to school when the mom is called in and all the faculty so just like we saw her running around the hallway chasing after somebody we couldn't see Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and saying that he was right there dancing on top of the piano mm-hmm. and so like this needs to be addressed which is like just fascinating that she just kept going to school and wasn't forced into like some sort of therapy or anything uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. i did originally i'm so glad you have talked about it not to talk about it later of like what the message of the movie is because there definitely was a point like when the movie ended like the very cute closing scene where the dad was like we believe in you franny i literally was like is the moral of the story that you should believe your kids when they tell you stuff because like that's great but she needed help mm-hmm. like your kid is like i see the boogeyman the boogeyman's taking our brother all this different stuff like the moral isn't that you believe them yeah. but like not once did someone say what do you mean by that yeah like whoa. it was immediately like <laughs> I know exactly what you're trying to tell me, and you're wrong. Yeah. Versus, or you're crazy, as opposed to, like, what are you trying to tell me? Yeah, I was like, girlfriend needs help. Yeah. Not like, oh, shucks, our kids are believing in the boogeyman again. <laughs> I guess our <laughs> kids are psychotic. <laughs> oh, no. I knew I shouldn't no. have let them watch Poltergeist when they were four. Yeah. I know. This is what happens. Yeah, I, I let them have Diet Coke one time, <laughs> and this is what happens. <laughs> And now they're seeing boys playing saxophone on the piano. Called mm. Dr. Silverman. Um, <laughs> um, Continue. I also want to talk how I don't feel like that there's necessarily, well, maybe Larry kind of exemplifies this, but there's basically like this overarching theme in in this movie that like the just the fear of aging and growing mm. up too quickly mm-hmm. um, and how like that's like really, it's important to... Mm-hmm. not age too quickly oh mm-hmm. let me let me rephrase that that sounded dumb this movie <laughs> it didn't sound dumb uh, no I, I i get what you're trying yeah, to say uh definitely you know like this fear of aging and growing up too quickly and too fast and neglecting a childhood mm-hmm. um and you know francis obviously exemplifies that she mm-hmm. keeps always talks about how like you know it's not logical because that's like how adults think you know and mm-hmm. i wrote down this quote that larry said you don't get second chances to be young. And mm-hmm. I really like that. That really stuck out to me. It's about like, you know, take advantage of this. But this movie is about, it's not necessarily about like having fun and going out with like, her parents are like, you know, go out with your girlfriends and do something. Cause she does have friends like Joe. Joe is one of her friends, mm-hmm. right. but it's just more of like, she just keeps wanting to push whatever boundary that is of like, nope, that's for kids. Not, not for like right. me. Mm-hmm. And, 
I don't know. I just kind of really, I don't know. I just kind of really liked that and how, cause this yeah. is more in the context of dealing with fears and adult things mm-hmm. and how it's, I guess I'm getting into my message of the movie and how mm-hmm. this, this movie is about that. Like, you know, it's important to have a childhood and adolescence. So that way, you know how to be scared because mm. a scene I want to point out is in the library when Larry like the kids are being searched at by the librarian and Larry teaches them how to hide from the boogeyman to, you know, hide under the sheets. And the boogeyman is, is put that that's just X equals whatever, whatever your fear is. Larry's telling you how to deal with it. You put your, Mm -hmm. you put, you hide underneath the covers. And as he's teaching and earning the trust from the children, he's also earning the trust of Franny through that scene. Mm -hmm. And so she now is kind of learning these things. And so, it's not like it's not explicitly you should hide underneath the bed when you're scared, but it's all coding for when you're a kid. This is how this is when you learn how to deal with tough times and tough mm-hmm. things. So that way, when you're an adult, you know how to face your boogeyman or wow. people. That's and uh, that's what I thought this movie was about. So like that's why it's important to have an adolescence and childhood. But yeah, nobody yeah. just wakes up an adult. You know, it's a process. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why at the end of this movie, that kiss that Levi you mentioned earlier that you felt was out of left field. Um, mm-hmm. I th- it felt left left field out of me too, but that's uh, Kenneth Johnson talked about how like that kiss was important because that, that was when Franny learned that she shouldn't resort back into a childhood, but like uh-huh. she went through everything, but now she learns at what stage she's at now. She's not an adult. She's not a child. She's at like this adolescent teenager year. Yeah. And that kiss was kind of like gateway into that for lack of a better phrase. Totally. Um, like it's, Cause that's it's like the, the next like mature thing that you do yeah. with friends that you have more. It's more than friendship now. It's mm-hmm. a right. courtship or whatever. Yeah. And that's kind of like what Larry was sort of representing. Not like, not like this movie is a message of like, hey, go out there and get a boyfriend. You know, that's not what this is. But mm-hmm. it's it's the evolution of aging, the evolution of friendships turn into relationships. Mm. And that was, the kiss was her entering that going, oh, this is my realm that I'm supposed to be in. I I like that. And that makes me think of uh, It, Stephen King's It. Like it's, it's a scene that mm-hmm. is so out of left field. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, what is happening? But it's like it. There's a scene, I won't, I won't go into it because it's a little graphic, but there's a, there's a scene in the book where it essentially is a transition. It's it's a weirdly out of place graphic scene that is supposed to represent adolescence. Yeah, right? like that's this, a hard, <laughs> that's a hard comparison. Um, it's, I totally get what it's you're clearly saying. Not, it's clearly mm-hmm. apples and oranges. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. clearly like... It's clearly like I'm I'm comparing a toothpick mm-hmm. to a butcher knife a and little bit, but and it's even not. I'm not saying that you're wrong to compare it. I'm almost saying um, I think you're absolutely correct. I think you're both absolutely correct. I think it's just an interesting note, specifically that one, because King since has been like I should not have written this scene. Oh really? Uh-huh. Because also being like adolescents shouldn't be marked with sexuality. Like there should be different. Mm-hmm gatekeep like wow. not gatekeeping is the wrong term but like there should be different things that we think about like yeah especially like you can think of um but also the way he wrote it seems uh-huh. like it's it's like a it's not that they've become adults mm-hmm. but that they're like again but they're leaving their, childhood by their innocence this. is now yeah. ripped from them yeah. and now they're adults yeah. 
And That's, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I okay. can even, I think 100% you are correct. And I think in 1999, it 100% makes sense. But even you saying it, like, as in my brain, I was like, ugh. Adolescence is always it's like it's for girls, especially like if you watch like Stand Sexuality. By Me, mm-hmm. um, their way of like entering adulthood is like facing their bullies and like seeing a dead body. But like doing this stuff and like girl, it's always something Sex sexual, for the first yeah, time or, something um, like or like that, someone yeah. thinking you're pretty or someone asking you to prom, yeah. whatever, blah blah blah, yeah. blah blah. So that was a complete aside. You're a hundred. No, I get correct. what you're saying. Like yeah. that's a hundred percent actually. Like I see exactly what you're trying to say. I see the point that the director and the humans and all the things we're yeah. trying to make but it's so good too like, i oh. think in what is so rare about that is that lesson that she learned as a freshman in high school who should be in eighth grade or whatever mm-hmm. is something that we don't learn until we're already grown up like what lesson that don't grow up too fast hmm. you you don't have at least i don't see a lot of children or even students who are saying i need to be i need to enjoy this while i'm young oh opposite maybe this is another boy girl difference thing all of the girl students have this like deep embedded it might maybe it's a millennial thing then or i guess they're gen z yeah but we're um, saying yeah well we're just like what were you saying rachel because you're i was kind of curious sorry sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, yeah yeah the um we are around students, um, high school students and middle school students. And a lot of the high school girls, I, again, along a side, um, for a long time have preferred the term women over girls, just like when talking yeah. to mm-hmm. human women, yeah. um, and did that with them. And they came back and was like, we would actually prefer to be called girls, like, and had this conversation about how they feel like so much of culture and life, like wants them to be adults and they don't want to be adults yet. They're like Whoa. 14 to 16, 17. And like, they feel this like deep, like uh not fear there's another word like besides anxiety but like existential crisis Mm. of Mm. feeling like everything says that they should be growing up and they should be adults and they should do adult things and it's like especially i guess social media feeds into that but they're like no we want to be kids like we want to be called girls Mm. um so this is also the information of like four high school girls and and so like my sample (laughs) size (laughs) and Um, my message was uh, I put a, I put a little phrase with it. Um, I'm not peeking. You peeking at oh my my, my notes? All right, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. My message. I put a, I put a phrase with my message. Growing up doesn't mean giving up. Hmm. Uh, you you, you hmm. won't. Uh, you, uh, in in the story, you won't see your imaginary friend anymore, but you still have the memories mm-hmm. of your imaginary friend. The, like the importance of even them recognizing, and you kind of touched on this, Brooker, of being like, you're not going to see us anymore, but you can still remember us. Because she's like, well, you'll disappear. You know, you turn into a boogeyman. It's like, no, but not if you remember us. Mm. And like, we're, we're still there. Mm. And so... Got to remember those lessons. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. What what did you experience? Like like what you said, Brooker, of like you, you go through this stuff as a child. So when you as an adult, you're like, I experienced this on a, you know, lower tier, uh, you know, level of danger to now. I mean, Boogeyman's pretty dangerous. But like now, you know, you're in the real world out, out and about as as an adult. But it still is like the importance of remembering and the importance mm-hmm. of celebrating those memories. Um, and especially with, you know, her little brother Mm -hmm. and it's it's you know just because you're 
growing out of seeing your imaginary friend doesn't mean that you have to kill it for everybody else. Mm. It's it is it is a good thing to go through childhood. It is a beautiful thing, but at some point you will have to grow up. But that doesn't mean that you put everything that you were playing with in a bag and throw it in the trash. Yeah. You still keep it and you say, that is a beautiful thing that I can't play with anymore. Mm-hmm. But oh my goodness, I love watching my brother play with it. Or I love giving him the option to play with the stuff that I got to play with. That's such a wholesome you know? image. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like you preserve it for other people. Like a Toy Story at the mm-hmm. end of... Eggs that it is exactly like Toy Story. That is a great again spoiler for Toy Story. I don't know if you haven't seen Toy Story three. Go it, like what the heck? It's <laughs> Toy Story one through three are all perfect movies. Um, but the yeah, it's like the ending. It's I mean, but even even if the ending wasn't Andy giving his toys to another child, if even if it was because he was trying to give them away versus him saying. I'm letting other people play with it, or I'm keep you know I'm bringing something with me to remember. Like mm-hmm. he's not gonna play with Woody in college, but if he did bring Woody with him, he'd be like, I can remember. So yeah, but yeah, the same idea of of not abandoning your childhood and throwing it in the in, incinerator. Mm-hmm. I think but that's saying, a, man, that's wonderful. I remember that. I think that's really good, and it's kind of making me think now. This movie is if if you want to look at it this way, because like what you were saying, Levi, about how she needed like the imaginary friends are there for the memories and like the lessons that you're supposed to learn and to carry with you forever. Like what you just said. Um, right. and almost kind of, it kind of like makes me think of shutter Island when, uh, they make yes. Teddy go through the role playing. That's kind of like mm-hmm. maybe the guy in his head was just like, y'all gotta, y'all gotta give her a second chance to save Darwin because she couldn't, <gasps> oh, because she, cause that. she can't get over that guilt. So she needs another opportunity to do it so like y'all gotta mm-hmm. get get her through this role-playing thing now i'm not saying it's role-playing but like you know amazing. it's kind of like this no, movie is amazing. like that like we need to give her a second chance to save him so that way she can finally get over that guilt get over that fear and learn from it and then enter into wow. adolescence wow that's good that's, that's good 10 out of 10 oh, Wait, does that does that mean i mean is don't look under the bed. A Shutter Island movie. It almost was is, with the parents all... thinking she was saying hallucinations and everything. That's the subgenre. Yeah, a monster movie or a Shutter Island movie. Yep. A sh- it's yep. a thriller. It's a psychological thriller for, from the parents' yep. point of view. Big, I mean, uh, it is big fan. Uh, can we first off something that I realized that we didn't talk, touch on in the fear analysis? I am sorry. I am just all over the no, place. No, this right is now. good. It's all yeah. All of like the creepy dolls and heads that would turn oh. towards her. So good. Great. Great stuff that so scares good. everyone. Um, I just I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention that was yeah. spooky. Well, pig mailbox, the worst thing I've ever seen. Who, oh, <laughs> who has a pig so mailbox? Creepy. Just haunts me. Was that the scariest thing for you, Broker, in the movie? Is the is the dolls turning? When heads? I was a kid, that was very spooky. It's it's definitely still yeah. seeing the boogeyman on top of the roof was still just like yeah. ah. But yeah. <laughs> was that for you? The pig mailbox was yours. Uh, no, it was grabbing uh, the ankle. Yeah. My scariest moment for sure was that moment in the school when the fi- that the fingers curled over mm-hmm. and you heard him uh, the boogeyman say, "Can Francis come out to play?" I, I oh just like I that was the moment in the movie where it just was like shivers. I was just like mm. like I felt a hair on the back of my neck mm. stand up. I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's like oh that's so scary." And and the moment a a second place distant second place. Mm-hmm. Was whenever Francis was like, "You don't scare me," and he kind of like looked to the sky- side and he's like, 
he was like, oh, I don't scare. And then he's, ah, and his collar pops oh. up. And it's like the, it just, the one... that was very re- reminiscent of it as well. I feel mm-hmm. like, like the teeth in the closet. Ah, you know, his teeth and hands were very Pennywise. Yeah, mm-hmm. super Pennywise. Which also would have been before, the original Tim Curry would have been before this too, right? It was, yeah. That was in the 80s, yeah. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, awesome. I'm still rusty on, uh, on podcasting so yeah i forgot to talk about which one was our favorites i'm glad i'm glad that we got to do that no it's good no it's good um all right this is a very fun part of the show we're going to talk about which movie proper item that you put in the basement of the cabin in the woods to summon the boogie person um okay rachel is eager let's go rachel yeah no no no. i want us all to say it at the same time originally and then we can go around the horn but i think that's the only way we're gonna prove (laughs) that we're not copying each other so it's gonna sound terrible okay i want (laughs) everyone on three to say what their thing is and then we're gonna prove definitively so we're gonna say uh, yeah i'm gonna go one two three and then say say the thing Okay. Okay. okay all right one two Three. The boogie Larry mirror. action figure. <gasps> we all said something different. Oh, okay. Holy smokes. Are you serious? Yes. I did not think we were going to say. I didn't even hear what you said. I just know y'all <laughs> didn't say what I said. Yeah, same. I was just like, oh. okay. Okay. Well, well okay, Rachel, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, were yeah, the yeah. ringleader of the cabin in the <laughs> yeah, woods. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Um, I said definitively Larry's cowboy action figure. Because I think you would pick it up, you'd be like, oh, dope, look at this cool toy. And it would create Boogeyman Larry. And so then you'd have to face Boogeyman Larry in all of his spooky glory. Spooky glory. And <laughs> his long claws. And so I just think that's a great, like, oh, this is super fun. And I think you'd even be like, maybe I'll have to face a cowboy. No, you're not facing a cowboy. That is great. I like that. That's, that's really good. So you go. What's your great device that I did not hear either? <laughs> yeah. So mine was, which I don't know. It didn't really play a role other than just briefly. I think to just show Larry what was happening was the mirror that he holds to Larry's oh, face on the roof. It, on the roof, and he shows him, and he's like, "You're about to be me," or whatever. And he sees his eyes. And so for the cabin in the woods, if you pick up the mirror and look in it your eyes will change to the different color. And so whatever the group of people who are in the the cabin, whoever picks up the mirror, it's a slow, again, kind of the werewolf trope, it's a slow turn into the boogeyman. They become the monster. It starts with the eyes and then one claw. Which purple and then eyes everybody. is terrifying. I love that it's purple. Yes. So oh, it's so, it was so good too. And it was bright, like it was like the the black light kind of glowing. So yeah, yeah. If you pick up the mirror, you slowly turn into it. But it's the trope would be like you're you're kind of trying to hide it, being like, oh, there's nothing. Be like, no, no, no. But then eventually you lose control and you start taking everybody out. Oh, that's so good. So I had the boogie book that they get in the library because I feel like that's like an obvious thing because there's definitely probably something in there that you read the Latin and it summons El Boogie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I am obsessed that all demon stuff is Latin. Like language, any language before that, whatever demons were vibing with, they just like found Latin. And well, it's like, the base oh, of like. Well, do you know why, Rachel? Languages. Oh, tell me why. Because it's, it's a dead language. Get out! I'm mm-hmm. retiring. I don't have any kids. I promise. <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's so good. Uh sequel talk okay okay do you want a sequel for this i want to hear your elevator pitch let's go uh no i don't (laughs) um but 
But, 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 I don't want a sequel, but what I do want is an amusement park ride. I want a Disney, I want a, a Don't Look Under the Bed Disneyland amusement park ride, but it's in the car and it takes you through boogie land oh my god i think that i really 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 think that that is a that is an a plus oh my god adam and devin of the american screen podcast if you're listening i know that they are freaking out and they are like yes this needs to be a thing oh my god oh really yes that would be like (laughs) good that'd be like a really good um what's the thing that universal does those halloween horror nights um, yeah, yeah, totally, Universal totally. Horror Nights or whatever. I think that that would be like a really good uh, little park or scare zone to go into. I think they should. And I think because I know that they uh, they changed Thunder Mountain Railroad at Disney World and they changed it to something else. I don't know what it is. It might be like Guardians of the Galaxy or I, I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. But to just do that. It's literally just around, but you change Amazing. it into to Boogie Land. So I think scary. it's a... It's, clean it's nice and it's it's disney canon we're there disney canon uh i guess just to stay on topic no to sequel but i 100 percent want the ride that levi just described yes i saw that car and i was like (laughs) it has to happen that's what you ride and you drive in the little toy car and it backs up and it it starts by backing up first oh and he shoots off a lot of black light everywhere that's a million dollar idea and you could go maybe because you know your light. I mean, I guess your eyes kind of glow under a black light. So, like the picture they take on the ride, you're going under some heavy, heavy black light, and so you're all glowed up. So you look like the boogeyman. You come out with whiskers. Um, yeah, that's. You come yes. out with whiskers. Exactly. I mean, it's it's doable. I I'm mean, wearing pantaloons a- now. <laughs> yeah. What happened? I'm in Victorian <laughs> England. I mean, they I can had, only speak in limerick. They had a ride at Disney World. I don't know if it's still there, but it was a spooky ride, and you like get in, and it's so the it's haunted scary. mansion. It is the haunted mansion, and there's a mirror. I'm so glad you knew that, Brooker. It is the haunted mansion, but it's you go at the end of the ride. You go past mirrors, and it looks like there's a ghost sitting in. Like you look in the mirror, and it looks like there's a ghost sitting in your your cart mm, with you. Scary. And it looks so real, and you look, and it's not there. Just do that, but you put a boogeyman in your cart. Amazing. Boogeyman. I, I, I think Disney. A boogie person. All I want is like. I'll take one percent commission on this <laughs> of all of the money you make off this ride. Perfect. Just one percent. You can have all ninety nine others, mm-hmm. and I will. I could if that happens. I could retire in like five years. It'd be great. We're set. Oh We're my god. Pay off this house. Million dollar idea. Oh my goodness. Honestly. Well. Honestly. Again, this was so much fun, and this is this is getting me <laughs> right into the the spooky season. Um, oh, I can't wait. I also want to say that I find it very serendipitous are talking about this movie because malignant just came out and which i hear blew your mind it it, it did it just, okay um mm. i haven't recorded my review yet i will talk to you two about it off mic but i just find that very interesting because that movie is about imaginary friend and this is about imaginary friends what a crazy Whoa. world we live in um right. <laughs> but again thank you levi and rachel i i can't wait to have y'all back on um yeah dude yeah it's definitely can't gonna happen wait. again actually we already know what we're doing which oh, hush hush yeah. um but <laughs> uh, yeah we're not gonna say anything uh, secret secrets i want to say thank you to shelly who is a really awesome supporter on buy me a coffee if you want to be like shelly and support me in a very special way like that head over to buymeacoffee.com slash brucker horror or you can follow me on instagram and twitter at brucker horror and uh be sure to just i don't know tag me on stuff that supports me emotionally you can just share me with a <laughs> friend 
And uh, I'll see you guys next week with another episode. Bye. Thank you again, Levi and Rachel. Thank you. Thanks, and Brucker. thank you, Shelly. <laughs> Bye, you guys.